our text today out of Psalm 142. Psalm 142. And our title is A Living Hope. But I want to read again while you're turning to that. The song that Brother Wesley first chose to open us up with, Christ Satisfies, because um, I didn't ask him to lead that one, but it's very applicable to what we're going to talk about today. So I just want to read those words again. Whene'er you need a friend who is all-wise, on whom you can depend, he satisfies. When darkness hovers near, In torrents rise, Christ comes the soul to cheer, He satisfies. Nothing of earth is sure, vain hope soon dies. Things of the Lord endure, He satisfies. Christ satisfies the soul when He has full control. On Him your burdens roll, Christ satisfies. Know this this world for some of us is heavy. It bears down on us hard. Um, there's a lot of responsibilities, worries, troubles. Sometimes there's dark thoughts. There's depression. There's feelings of just desperation. That we're alone sometimes. We get despondent. We feel the storms of life just overwhelming us. And then we get lonely and we begin to dread. You know, some days I've felt that I'm just trudging along through life. And the more I trudge, the thicker the mud gets. The harder it is for me to pull my feet up until I feel that I'm just sucked down into that mud. And I can't walk any further. And I get despondent. I feel despair and I feel this just desperate loneliness. This is what David is feeling here in this cave. Let's read in Psalm 142. It's a mashkel of David, a prayer when he was in a cave. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, they have privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Have any of you here had those same types of thoughts that God just listen to me? Hear me, I'm crying. I'm laying my trouble before you. There's snares in my paths. I'm completely overwhelmed in my spirit. Now, I'm, I have a wonderful family. 
and a wonderful church and a loving wife, and I know that there's people that care for me. And you have those too, but sometimes we just feel alone even in the midst of that. In the midst of loving people who care, we feel this aloneness. There's books, articles, research done on on how to find our satisfaction, how to feel complete. But my heart breaks when we don't go to the Word to find our comfort. And instead we go to the world to search for remedies. We search, we cry, we, we research, we study, and yet we find everything lacking because everything outside of Christ will always leave you lacking and alone. Even when you're surrounded by friends and family without Christ, you are alone. David was here in a cave. It's either the cave of Engedi or Adullam. He's hiding from Saul in both of those caves. We don't know which one this is exactly, but David's despondent. He's in a cave. He's not in a, a house of retreat. He's not in a castle of retreat. He's literally in a cave hiding. It's dark. It could be damp. It could be cold. And he's by himself. You know, caves metaphorically make a good closet of prayer for us. It's dark. We're alone. There's no one around. And in that darkness and solitude, we, we find that to be helpful to our exercise of prayer. But it's most often that we wait until our darkest caves to start praying out to God. We wait until we're in the most desperate, despondent places of life before we truly cry out to God. We know He's there in the good times. But are we crying out to Him or do we wait? Do we wait until we're just desperate and overwhelmed before we go back to God and cry out to Him? You know, maybe, just, maybe we need some of these dark caves from time to time to remind us that we need to go back Go back to God. But I'm telling you, don't wait until it's dark. Don't wait until you're overwhelmed. Don't wait until you feel your soul drowning to talk to God. God is not our last resort. He is our first resort. He is our living hope and our only hope. Pray first and pray often. Constantly go to God in prayer in the good times and in the bad. Don't wait for the bad to pray to God. Pray to Him often. Here's a a quote from Spurgeon that I just found very impactful. He said, Had David prayed as much in his palace as he did in his cave, he might never have fallen into the act which brought so much misery upon his latter days. David began to not feel desperate. He was in a palace in the end. He was a great king. He ruled over many lands. He had a great people. And he turned his eyes away from God. But then God brought another metaphorical cave back upon David. When David had turned his eyes from God and he brought darkness upon him with the death of a child... And then David went back and wept bitterly upon his face before God because he knew that he had turned his eyes away from God. David needed another cave. 
I pray that we don't have to go through many caves. But sometimes it's for our own good. It's a punishment we may need. It's a struggle we may need to get our eyes back on God. But I want to look in this, this um, chapter here, and you can really easily divide it into three things. Verses 1 and 2 is David's plea. Verses 3 and 4 is David's distress. And verses 5 and 6 are David's confidence. Now David's plea in verses 1 and 2. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him, I showed before him my trouble. Now David was a praying man. And David would pray in his mind to God to commune with him. But this is different. David says, I cried with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord I cried. David is audibly praying to God while he's alone in a cave. Now it may seem awkward to us sometimes to be sitting in your car alone and you just start praying out loud. It's, it's easier for us to do it in our mind or in our bedroom or in the office. But it's different when you pray out loud to God. I'll get personal here. Yet last night I was here at the church. I've had a few long weeks. Um, and I was here studying and there was nobody here. And I got down on my knees and I started praying. But then I just started praying out loud to God. And I felt His presence when I cried out audibly to God on my knees before Him because I was desperate. I needed Him. I felt alone and I cried out loud and He gave me comfort. In our dark times, cry out with your voice. The same that a child would cry out to his father or his mother when they're in need, when they're hurting, when they're scared, and they cry out. You cry out to Abba, Father, for Him to give you comfort, for Him to bring you refuge. David poured out his complete heart. That means he didn't hold anything back. You know, sometimes we sit and think, God doesn't really need to be bothered with my small needs. Maybe I just ask for a little bit here. David poured out all of his troubles. He dumped it out before the Lord. All of it. Because he knew that God cares for him. It's not his individual little troubles here and there, and God picks one that he cares about, and the other one he brushes aside. God cares for you, his people. If he cares for the sparrow when it falls, how much more for his people when they're in distress? Don't hesitate to pour everything out before God. Even if it seems irrational to you. I'm not really alone. I've got a great family, a wonderful church. I'm surrounded by good people, but I felt alone last night. Pour that out to God because He knows your heart. He knows your worries and He knows your cares and He knows your needs. Pour it out to God with your plea. 
Now what was David pouring out in his distress? Verses 3 and 4. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knew my path. And the way wherein I walk, they have privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and there was no man that would know me. Refuge filled me. No man cared for my soul. David's saying, I'm drowning here, God. I'm literally drowning. You know, the fact is we get overwhelmed, as David did. And that word overwhelmed simply means to be feeble or shrouded in darkness. David felt completely dark and weak. God, I am drowning in darkness. I cannot see the path. I am not strong enough to fight my way out of this cave. I don't see the light to get out of this cave because I am covered in a darkness. And he's even saying, I don't even see the snares that are laid before me. There's traps here, there's traps there, and I can't even see them, God. I'm blind and I'm scared. I feel a need that I cannot satisfy. David was a warrior. He was a fighter. He slew Goliath. He'd he'd killed his ten thousands. And here he is in a cave alone, desperate. Can't find his way out. No hope in himself. No hope in his men who were faithful to him. He was alone in a cave and desperate before God. No one in sight. That's what he felt. That's what we sometimes feel. Even when we know that we're surrounded with people, we we feel that there's nobody in sight. And then he says in verse 4, nobody, nobody cared for my soul. This gets more than just his physical caring. This gets more than just his bodily and worldly needs. This is his soul. His core, His being, what is eternal. But David has confidence. David has confidence because no man cares for his soul, but he knows that there is one who does, the creator of his soul. So in David's confidence, he goes to God. In verses 5, 6, and 17, he says, I cried unto thee. Now why is he crying unto God? He's desperate. He's alone. There's snares he can't see. He's overwhelmed with darkness. Nobody cares for his soul. He has nowhere to go. But he goes to God because he says, God, you are my refuge and you are my portion. Now in Israel, the tribes received portions and inheritance. The land was given to the families. And each family was given a portion of that land. And David is saying, God, all I need. I don't need my throne. I don't need my kingdom. I don't need my portion. I just need you. You are my greatest need. All I want, God, is you. David had been anointed to be king by Samuel. He could be saying, God, I'm ready to take that throne and do your work. Saul's standing in the way. I'm ready to do it, God. But he says, God, I don't even need the throne and the crown. I just need you. 
And that's where we are sometimes. God, it doesn't matter what's surrounding me. I just want to fill you with me. I just need your presence. And he says, God's presence and refuge here. You are my refuge and you are my portion. This refuge is a shelter. God, I'm in a cave. I want to be sheltered in you. I want to run to you for safety. Out of this cave, out of this darkness, out of this aloneness, I want to run to you and find peace and joy and comfort in you. God's presence is David's shelter. God's presence is David's inheritance. And it's the same for us. When our nights are darkest and we feel our lowest and that mud has gotten so thick that we can't walk, God is our refuge. God is our portion. And David does something here in verse 6. He acknowledges that he is weak. And that's where we have to start. We can't have to say, God, you give me just a little bit and I'll take care of the rest. David here acknowledges, I am desperate. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. He's saying, God, I'm at the bottom. It doesn't get any lower than this. I am at rock bottom. I can't go lower. I have no strength in myself. They're stronger than me. I can't do this. I cannot do it without you. And this isn't just his physical salvation he's praying for to get out of this cave. That does happen. David is able to get out of the cave. He's eventually put on the throne. He's eventually made a great king over a great kingdom. But it's more than just physical that David is crying out for here. David knows that he needs God's continual presence with him even when he gets outside of that cave. Because even when he gets out of the cave, darkness can surround. Aloneness. Feeling abandoned that no one is there for you. But knowing that God is. That God is your portion. God is your refuge He says, bring my soul out of prison. Not so that I can reign. Not so that I can do your work in the kingdom. Not so that I can defeat Paul. Not so that I can have more battles. He says, Lord, bring me out of prison that I may praise your name. You know, it reminds me of a prayer meeting in Acts where Peter was imprisoned and they're praying in the middle of the night and Peter gets out of prison through God's deliverance. And he gets to the people. And at first they don't believe it, but when they do, then they do what? Wow, Peter, that was some great trickery to get out of prison. Very cool. They praise God because they know that it is God's deliverance. The same way that David knows that his deliverance physically from this cave and spiritually from this darkness is all of God. God, deliver me from my darkness. Deliver me from this place of being alone. Deliver me from this place of defeat. Deliver me from this life of depression so that I may praise your name. Now there's two examples here that I want to give that I think go very well with this. The first 
The first is Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. The story is in verses 9 through 18. Elijah is running from Ahab. He feels alone. He feels that he is a goner. What's the use anymore? This whole world is turned from you, God. I'm going to a cave and I'm going to hide because it's just me. I'm it. I'm the only one. And God comes and says, Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you in this cave? And Elijah says, God, I have been faithful. I've preached your word. And yet I'm alone. There's no one there. And then God caused a great wind to come and crumble the mountains before Elijah. But God was not there. And then God caused a great earthquake to come. But God was not there. And then God caused a great fire to come. But still Elijah did not see God. But then after this great earthquake where the mountains crumbled, the wind and the fire, he hears a still, small voice. And God again says, Elijah, what are you doing? And Elijah again says, God, I feel alone. I'm trying. I really am, God. I'm trying, but there's nobody there. And then that still small voice, God tells him, Elijah, you're not alone. Go find Elisha. And when you found him, remember that Elijah, there's 7,000 faithful who have not yet bowed their knee. You're not alone. Elijah couldn't see him. Sometimes we get that way. We don't see the light. We feel desperate. But know that you are not alone. You are not alone. There are many people walking this walk with you. Sometimes we just have to cry out to God for Him to show them to us so that we can walk together. You're not alone. Elijah had to learn that he had to again commune with God. To not look at his desperation, but to look to God. Because when we look to our desperation, when we look at the situations around us, it seems bleak. It seems dark, but when we look to God, we see hope. We see refuge and we see salvation. The other chapter that this brings to mind for me is in verse 7 here it says, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass about me. The righteous will be there with me, Lord. Now David's saying, I don't see them. I feel alone. But Lord, I know the righteous will be with me. The righteous are there. Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. We hear of the righteousness and the faith of Abel. We hear of the faith of Enoch, the faith of Noah, the faith of Abraham, the faith of Sarah, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Joseph. Moses, Rahab, David, Samuel, and more. All these lived faithful lives. All of them sometimes feeling alone, feeling desperation, but feeling being faithful to God because they had a hope and a promise. A promise that God would fulfill. And their hope was in Him. 
Their hope was in Him. And now, that great cloud of witnesses we hear in chapter 12, verse 1 of Hebrews. It says, Now, wherefore, seeing we are all compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience this race that is set before us. All of these faithful of Hebrews chapter 11... They are now worshiping at the feet of God. They are worshiping a living hope, a living God. And at His feet, they cheer on you. Moses is saying, I'm with you. Noah is saying, I'm cheering you on. David and Samuel are saying, you've got this. Not because we're looking to David. Not because we're looking to Samuel. Not because we're looking to Enoch. But because we're looking to the same living hope that they look to. And that they now worship at His great feet. And they're saying, there is hope. Run this race. We are with you. We're cheering you on in the Spirit. Because the Spirit is in you. And there is hope in Him. Looking unto the Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. David may have seemed dark and he saw darkness around him, but David had hope. David had hope in the rescue of the living God. David had hope in the refuge of a living God. He had a hope that God was his inheritance. And he knew that he had been anointed by God through Samuel to be king. He had faith in his darkness. Brothers and sisters, when you see darkness surround you, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. I'm not going to tell you that dark times won't surround you. Because they do. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to feel alone because you may. I'm not going to tell you that you may face depression because you might. I'm not going to tell you that you won't feel desperate because sometimes we do. But don't look to the darkness of the cave. Look to the living hope of Jesus Christ because He is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, sometimes it just seems that there is no hope. Because at those times when I don't see the hope, I realize I'm, I'm looking lateral and I'm looking inward. I'm looking around me. But Lord, bless my eyes to go back up to You. That in our greatest darkness when we truly feel that we are drowning, that you are with us, that you will lift us up, that you will hold us firm in your hand. And Lord, though we may be called to go through those trials and through those dark times, Lord, you are with us. Lord, I pray that we won't focus on the trouble around us, the darkness around us, the trials around us. Lord, we would put our focus and our hope on the living God, our living hope, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.